Welcome to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price. With my 25 years of divorce and empowerment coaching experience, I know that divorce is a difficult and emotional journey. I also know from personal experience that it can be a time of growth and transformation. Through this podcast, you'll gain valuable insights on all aspects of divorce, from the logistical and financial to the emotional and legal. My goal is to empower you to confidently move forward in your divorce journey, avoid common mistakes, and ultimately create a happy and fulfilling life. With expert guests, practical advice, actionable tips, and inspiring conversations, We'll explore how to master your divorce and emerge stronger on the other side. You don't have to face this alone. Let's start this journey together and create a better future for you. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, beautiful. I'm so excited about our episode today. I have a fabulous expert to share with you her story and her advice to help you on your divorce journey. Whether you are a soon-to-be separated, separated, divorcing, or divorced woman, this podcast was created just for you. So many divorce and divorcing women struggle with feeling good about themselves, particularly when they are over 50. Others have said that they spent their whole life with the identity of wife, and now they don't know who they are. Well, my guest today is Linda Hirschman. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and is the author of the book, Gray Divorce. Gray divorce is a hot topic, and it doesn't mean that you have to have gray hair, but it does mean that it's divorce affecting people over 50. And in this podcast, we'll focus on women over 50. So she's going to talk to us about that. With one in four marriages of couples over the age of 50 ending in divorce, most of the most of these divorces are initiated by women. Linda's 30 years experience as a licensed marriage and family therapist and the author of the first comprehensive, culturally competent book on the subject helps the audience understand the rise in gray divorce, the reasons for it, and ways in which they can see support. I am so happy to have you here, Linda. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Beverly. I'm so glad to be here. If I could just expand a little, though, the actual title of the book is Gray Divorce, Everything You Need to Know About Later Life Breakups. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, there is a book called Gray Divorce, which was the seminal work in the field, and it's about a 700 and some page sociological study. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so is your 700 pages? No, no, mine is about (laughs) 200 pages, and mine is written for the lay person, not for sociologists. Okay, that's really good to know. Well, I did a little bit of research, and while um, the overall divorce rate seems to be a little bit flat or slightly declining, 
the rate of divorce for people over 50 seems to be doubling or tripling. Is that something you see as well? Yes, absolutely. And not only in the United States, it's happening in every country where divorce is legal. Wow, that's amazing. Why do you think that is? Well, you mentioned that most gray divorces, and let me define the term, gray divorce, I didn't coin this term, gray divorce refers to couples age 50 and over who split up. Two thirds, about 66% of gray divorces are initiated by women. There are a number of reasons why it's happening. The number one reason is because they can. In terms of like financial and emotional and... In terms of financial, in terms of emotional, in terms of legal, and to give context to this, and it sounds crazy when I say this, but until 1976, women could not get a credit card in their own name. They could not get a mortgage without a man signing for it. They didn't have any financial power, even in the rare cases where they happened to be the primary or an equal breadwinner. And that has changed now. Women have earning power. I'm painting a very broad brush there. Part of my book speaks to underserved women and couples and men as well. But to paint a broad brush, women have more financial power, they have more assets at their disposal, and they no longer have to stay in unhealthy, unsatisfactory or abusive marriages. What are some of the reasons of a divorce later in life? Age plays into it. It used to be that, I mean, a hundred and some years ago, the average life expectancy was in the 40s or 50s. And in our parents' generation, people would go to work for a company, they would work their whole careers at 60 or 65, they would retire, get their gold watch, and they would be dead a couple of years later. Nowadays, people are living healthy and productive lives into their 80s and 90s, and sometimes even beyond that. And so a lot of individuals or couples are getting to into their 60s, their kids are out of the house, they're looking at what does the next phase of my life look like, and they're asking themselves the question, if I have 20 or 30 more years left, is this the person I want to spend it with? Gotcha. Gotcha. I also heard of an unusual situation where when um, one of the spouses is significantly ill with a long-term illness, they may divorce so that the assets don't have to be spent down to qualify for Medicaid. Have you heard of that at all? Yes, I have heard of that. Now, I'll be clear, that's not my area of work. And those are the kinds of choices that are best handled with financial planners and 
and lawyers. And of course, if you're making that decision, you may want the support of a therapist or a coach through it. In fact, you probably should be having it. But that's a very different situation because that's more a divorce of convenience rather than either entropy or dislike. So when you look at divorce over 50, who is it? that is divorcing and why do you think they're divorcing? It's one out of every four couples, one out of every four married couples over age 50. And I had mentioned that two of the reasons are number one, because they can, women can initiate these divorces now. Another reason is the increased longevity and questioning whether the decisions you made 50 years ago still suit you today. And another reason is the destigmatization of divorce. When you and I were growing up, I I personally, and I suspect you, probably maybe could name the divorced families on one hand. Whereas nowadays, every kid knows divorced families if they go to school and if they talk to people. And it's not the same kind of stigma. And another big factor is the advent of no-fault divorce, which is legal now in all 50 states, and it's actually required in some of the states. Before no-fault divorce, divorce was an adversarial process by definition there had to be grounds. There were seven different grounds for divorcing your spouse. And even if it was just one of those things where you just didn't want to be married anymore, you had to come up with a reason, something the other person did to you. And by definition, it creates a situation where one person is the victim, and one person is the aggressor. And it was a horrible and incredibly painful process, especially, and regardless of whether your kids were young or older, to have to tell your kids you're getting divorced because your father did this or your mother did this. Gotcha. Is terrible for the family system. Absolutely, absolutely. Does infidelity or domestic violence play into gray divorce at all in a substantial way? It's really interesting because in all of my decades as a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I still kind of do a double take when people are introducing me and they say she's been doing this for almost 30 years. I'm like, where did that go? But um, infidelity is usually not the reason marriages break up. Okay. And when couples come in with infidelity as the presenting problem, if the couple is interested and invested in 
understanding the dynamics in the relationship and each looking at their part in the dynamic. And I want to be careful with this because I never blame the person who was cheated on. However, relationships function in patterns and each person is responsible for what they bring in. Each person is responsible for changing their part in the pattern. And in almost every case of infidelity I've ever worked with, there were underlying problems going on sometimes for years before the infidelity happened. The, there is a saying that in the Japanese language, Japanese words are made up of characters and each character is a word in itself. And the word for crisis is two characters, danger plus opportunity. And so when couples come in to therapy because of an infidelity, it's a crisis that was created. And if they choose, it can be an opportunity for change. So while it happens, and, and I can't speak to the couples who don't come in for therapy, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who say you cheated, that's it, we're done. But the couples who come in with infidelity as the presenting problem may end up splitting up, but it's usually not the infidelity that's the reason they split up at the end. Domestic violence, that is a really scary, tricky thing because there is a cycle of abuse. And when you are in an abusive relationship, you begin to question yourself. You question your judgment. You question your responsibility. You question your rights. You question all kinds of things. But the scary part that I think is out there as common knowledge now is the most dangerous time for a woman who's a victim of domestic violence to leave it, or the most dangerous time for a woman who experiences domestic violence is when she leaves. Yeah. It's um, latest statistics are 70% of women are murdered when they leave a domestic violence situation. So must be very careful, and in the show notes, I will post uh, the U.S. domestic violence hotline. Right, and I am not suggesting, believe me, I'm not suggesting that you just shut up and take it. What I'm right. saying is that if you are a victim of domestic violence, you really need a lot of support. You need to be working with people who can help you leave safely. Exactly. A safety plan from domestic violence experts. Um, it can be the hotline. It can be your local shelter. Um, but not advice from a friend who hasn't experienced domestic violence. I understand. And even it's important to be careful when you're working with a therapist to make sure that the therapist is not operating outside of their scope of practice. 
I am not a domestic violence expert. I would never tell a client, you need to leave. They need to be specifically trained in that regard. Yes. Absolutely. So that was a little bit on the, the sad side. What are the upsides to a later life divorce? Well, one of the upsides is the opportunity for self-actualization. And especially when we're talking about couples over age 50, especially those who have been married for a very long time, we are talking about a cohort of women who might have gotten married very young. They might not have had other partners, other experiences. They might have given up. Again, we're talking about the times. They might have given up careers or never pursued careers. They may have put their own interests on hold so that they could put the needs of the family first. And they could be getting to a point where, again, they're 50, 60 years old, and they don't have the kids to worry about anymore. And they're asking themselves, what do I want to do next? What is my next chapter? And oftentimes, the husbands are not supportive of that. The husbands feel very threatened when they look to develop a career or develop interest outside the household or just do more things for themselves in general. What do you mean by self-actualization? I'm sorry to interrupt. That's okay. I mean really becoming your best self. And whether that is going to work, getting a job where you have the opportunity to travel a lot, developing hobbies, volunteering, creating more relationships outside the household, whatever it is that you, that helps you to feel like you are becoming your best person. It comes from Abraham Maslow, who developed a pyramid of needs. And the very basic needs at the bottom of the pyramid were food, safety, shelter. And then as you go up the pyramid, there are things like education, social supports, career opportunities, so on and so forth. And at the top of the period, pyramid is self-actualization. And so it could be a time, and I know your audience is really geared toward women, so I'll speak primarily to women. And it could be a time when you decide this is my time. And if my husband is not going to support it, then I go off on my own. It can, one of the upsides can also be greater sexual fulfillment. There are many relationships. Again, we're talking about a generational thing where Many women did not know what they could 
what kind of sexual fulfillment they could get or they weren't getting it in their marriage. And so it can be a time to experiment with that. So those are a couple of the upsides. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, what do you think that older women fear most when they are divorcing or even when they're contemplating divorce? Oh, I can tell you from talking to many, many, many older women and many therapists who work with older women, the two greatest fears that women who are divorcing or divorce questioning have are number one, who will take care of me? And mm -hmm. number two, will I be okay financially? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What about the fear that, well, and it might tie into your first point about who will take care of me. And that is the fear of never finding another relationship again, or never finding a fulfilling relationship. Yeah, that's a big fear. Statistically, it's not borne out because I don't remember the exact number, but 60 some percent of women do remarry after divorce of women over age 50 do marry after divorce. I will say the percentage is higher for men, but the fact of the matter is that more than half, almost two thirds of women will remarry again. Having said that, I also want to say that the divorce rate for second and subsequent marriages is higher than for first marriages, which speaks to the importance of doing your work before you go from a marriage into another marriage. Exactly. Um, I like to say that without the work, I'm taking myself with me. Absolutely. You know, okay. Um, a number of, of women that I talk to have grandchildren and, uh, Many, many women that have young children continue to worry about what the effect will be on them. And many of the older women with grown children think, oh, no big deal. It won't impact them. What are your thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on that, Beverly. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, there is a term called ambiguous loss. It was coined by a therapist named Pauline Boss. As a matter of fact, she was the keynote speaker at a conference I presented at in Spain a couple of weeks ago. And she had given me permission to use her work on ambiguous loss in my book. And I was so excited to be able to hand her one of the books. But um, so ambiguous loss refers to losses that are not generally recognized by society as losses. And there are no rituals for grieving the losses. And there is often not an end date in sight for the losses. And we operate under the delusion that when we divorce in later life, our kids are adults, they can understand they can just suck it up and deal with it and they have their own lives. 
that is so far from the truth. There are so many things adult children of divorce, and there's a term ACODs, adult children of divorce. There are so many things they lose in the process, and some of it speaks to the fact that nobody's talking to them about it. Nobody is validating their feelings. Nobody is acknowledging that this is potentially horrendously painful for them. The worst time for parents to get divorced is when your kids first leave for college. That first year when your kids leave for college. Why is that? Because it's a time for kids, young adults, to start to individuate, to go off, explore who they are, explore what they like, to maybe for the first time make friends that are not in their block or in their immediate in their classroom or immediate social network. And when your parents, when you find out your parents are divorcing, you always have one foot here and one foot here, and you can't be in any place. So while you're trying to create your own life, you're also worrying what's happening back home? What's going on with my parents? How are things there? Are they okay? Am I going to be okay? When I come home for spring break, where am I going to stay? These kinds of questions, and it's compounded for adult children of divorce in underserved communities and among people of color because their families have less assets to begin with. And so they often end up having to take on a lot of childcare responsibilities. They often end up having to get jobs, not only to help pay for their college, but to help support one of their parents. And so there's an even greater toll for them. Now, when you get older, particularly when your parents had a really good transactional marriage, they got along fine, they co-parented fine. It was just, there was nothing, there was not that romantic connection, but you as even an adult child are not necessarily going to know that or understand that. And all of a sudden your parents are saying to you, okay, you're 25 years old, you finished school, we're getting a divorce now. It makes you question your whole childhood. Can I trust what I'm seeing? Can I trust myself in relationships? How do I know if I can trust the other person? And so adult children of divorce end up experiencing a lot of relationship issues of their own, especially, like I said, in those marriages that looked fine on the surface. And then there are real life losses because parents may have said, I'll pay for, we'll pay for graduate school. We'll give you a deposit on a house. We'll pay for a wedding. And now all of a sudden they're saying, sorry, we're getting divorced. We have to split the assets. We don't have enough to give you. Or oftentimes parents help out a lot with childcare with their grandchildren. And now 
one of them may be moving out of the area or one might have to go to work. They can lose their childcare. So there are real life losses, but then there, there's also the impact on the family systems. Again, we tend to look at our adult children as adults. And when the parents are going through a divorce, they may tend to treat their children like friends and tell them things that I don't care how old your children are. It's not appropriate to be talking about, even with your adult kids. And it also creates loyalty issues with the kids and can impact the relationship with both parents because the one parent that they're getting all this information about that they don't know what to do with and the parent who is lacking boundaries. So I like to ask all of our guests, all of my guests, for three actionable tips that the women in my audience can take to help them in their divorce journey. What would you suggest to them? Well, the first thing I would suggest is make sure you have a good support system in place. And when I say a good support system, your friends are wonderful, but your friends are on your side. They are not neutrals. They are not objective. And they're not going to be useful at all if they're saying things to you like, oh, yeah, you should have gotten rid of him years ago, or we never liked him, or you should stay for the sake of the children. Friends have opinions. And if you have 10 friends, you're probably going to get 11 opinions. And so when I talk about support, yes, be there with your friends. You know, of course, talk to them, but be judicious who you talk to. But have a therapist who can help you work through your own process, who can give you space for the grieving process, even if you're the one who wants the divorce, it's still a grieving process involved, who can ask you the hard questions that help you make the best decisions possible if you're in a position to make decisions in this. So that's one thing. There are other really good resources, divorce coaches, can be a really good resource and make sure you have a good financial planner. I always recommend as much as possible to work with attorneys who, well, the legal process is a stepped process when it comes to divorce. The least expensive, intrusive and invasive is mediation. If you can mediate, I say go for it. The next right. step would be collaborative family law attorneys. And these are attorneys who are committed to keeping the divorce as healthy and as inexpensive as possible for the family system. 
they are not adversaries. They work together in the best interest of the family. In fact, in collaborative family law, you are required to sign an agreement going in that they will not represent you if you decide to take it to court. Right. They want to stay out of court at all costs. And family collaborative family law attorneys will bring in ancillaries as needed. They will bring in financial planners. They will bring in realtors, coaches, family therapists to help you through those stuck points. And then, of course, there is litigated divorce. And that is the old concept. And people go into divorce saying, yeah, I'm going to get them for everything I'm worth and I'm going to take them to court and blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, in Pennsylvania, less than 4% of divorces end up in court. And my number one rule, no matter what the children's age, is you should love your children more than you hate your ex. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some, a couple of steps. And the other really big actionable step is be involved in your own life. If you have not, made many friends if if you've really been organized around the house and the kids and their friends make friends figure out what you like to do go out and start doing things and i would suggest this whether you're getting divorced or whether you stay happily married forever yes be engaged in your own life do not count on a partner to provide everything in your life because that can affect you whether you divorce or whether your spouse dies. Absolutely. And we, we know that's going to happen someday for all of us. So um, my previous husband passed away. So I know um, the similarities and differences between divorce and widowhood. Um, well, Linda, thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been so information packed and it is such an important topic. All of Linda's information will be available in the show notes along with mine. You'll be able to find how to get her book and how to be in touch with her. And you can find all this information at my website, HerEmpoweredDivorce.com, on the podcast page, or you can listen to this podcast wherever you normally listen. Thank you for being with Linda and myself on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. I believe that moving from overwhelm, grief, and pain, while also taking care of ourselves, can be used to springboard to a new and more wonderful life. If you'd like one-on-one support for your divorce process, try a consultation with me at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. And join me for our next episode where I'll be diving deeper into what other professionals can share to help you on your journey. Please like our episodes and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Empowered Divorce and take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I enjoyed spending this time with you. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be an awful experience. With the right knowledge, support, and guidance, it can be a time of growth and empowerment. A divorce and empowerment coach is a critical member of your divorce team. In fact, it should be the first call you make. I help you navigate the process and create a happier life post-divorce, also saving you time and money in the process. If you're interested in learning more, please request a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other episodes and resources. Or you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and leave us a review. I really appreciate your support. And until next time, take care.